you're listening to a Mash Those Buttons podcast. Visit mashthosebuttons.com for a full podcast schedule. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Mashes Buttons Mashcast, a podcast about video games, community, culture, and industry. I am Jared, also known as Ja, and I'm here with Christina, also known as Pop Tart. Hello. And I am here with Games to Industry Public Defender and uh, Scourge of Ironforge, Nick Zelenkevich. Hey, how's everybody doing? Hey. So, uh, yeah, this is episode number 13 of the MASHcast. Today, we're going to be talking about game developers versus game communities. And, uh, you know, before we get into that, I'd like to welcome anybody listening for the very first time. Thank you very much for checking out the MASHcast. If you enjoy the show or, you know, you want to keep up with us, you can follow us at MTB site on Twitter. And, uh, you know, we'll also get into our other contact information later on in the show. But before we move on to our, our our topic for today, let's just catch up with everybody, see how everybody's been doing. Uh, who wants to go first? Talk about how your uh, your last two weeks in gaming have been. I have a lot of stuff, so Nick should go first. <laughs> uh, Heroes has been good. Hearthstone's been good. WoW has been good. So good. Yay! <laughs> Nick is done. All, All right. Done. Surprise. Christina, you're up. You're up. Yeah, I've been doing a lot, actually, a lot more than I should be. Uh, I bought Yakuza 0, and I'm so obsessed with that game. I don't know if I was playing it last time we recorded, but like I'm still playing, and I'm trying to do everything. Uh, I'm trying to figure out how I want to progress. If I want to do 0, Kiwami, Kiwami 2, and then wait for the inevitable release of Kiwami 3 next year, or just go into six because I have so many games. Like it's not, you know, too far fetched. Um, but I also started Cuphead, which was, uh, it's a thing. Um, I'm doing, I think I'm doing all right. The reason why I started is because I watched like a video of like a journalist not doing so great in it. So it made me want to play it. So I'm doing better than him. That's, that's all I care about. Um, but I have been streaming that on the um, the Mash um, channel, and I picked up Octopath Traveler. Uh, I have a little bit of like a pet peeve with that game, so I- I'll give it probably like an eight out of ten, which still isn't bad. But I was expecting that game to be more like a nine or a ten ish area. The biggest complaint that I have is you pick up. You start with a main character, you go through their storyline, and then you pick up like other characters as you go through, and you can pick them up like however, whatever order you want to. Um, And you talk to them, and they're like, hey, this is my story, this is what's going on, and it starts the story from the beginning, as if you started them as like the first, like your first character, and then after they're done that story, they're like, oh, so you want to join me? Great. And then you finish their chapter one by like fighting a boss or whatever. And then you move on to the next character. Like there's nothing, 
There's nothing holding them together. It's just a, oh, you want to help me? Okay, that's cool. So you have eight separate characters doing eight separate journeys together. Because, like, it's not, you guys aren't going to the same place. Like, you'll have somebody all the way up in, like, the northeastern area and then someone down in the southwestern area. Like, it's it makes no sense. But, the ba- like, the battle mechanics are pretty solid. So, overall, I think the game is pretty good. It's just weird kind of how it progresses. So... I think that's it. You were were really excited for this game coming out. I I was, and I actually wasn't able to play it over the weekend, so I'm only a few hours into it. Um, I'm just getting the chapter two with everybody, which is a huge, a huge spike, Um, because the chapter one for everybody, it kind of levels up a little bit. It goes from like level five, seven, 12, and that's kind of it. And then chapter two, it's like level 21 for the lowest one, and it's like, it's like really hard. Like, it just out of nowhere. Um, but the the complaints I have are very, like, pet peevish. Um, like I said, it's not an awful game. I was expecting more, but it's still a lot of fun. Who developed the game? Because, like, I've heard a lot of buzz about this game, but I don't know why. It was Squeenix. Why. Okay, so it's just your typical, well, not your typical, like, Square Enix RPG, but it has that pedigree. Yeah, it kind of feels like a, a an old school Final Fantasy style game. So that's why like and it looks like it too. Like it looks really pretty. Like that HD 2D graphics or whatever they did looks fantastic and everything's so sparkly and I just I love it. And I got the, like the special Wayfair edition with a pop-up book which I haven't even put together. I just kind of like ripped it open and was like, "All right, here's the game." And that's yeah. I need to put that together though. But I think. All right. Yeah. Is that about it for you? I think so. Okay. Yeah, I haven't. Um, besides Overwatch, I don't think I really played much. No, that's no. Yes, I haven't played much. I I, I did start playing, um, Death of the Outsider, for um, Dishonored, which is like it's like a DLC, but it's 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 its own separate game. Like you actually don't have to have the main game to get it. Um. It's dishonored for sure, and you get some new abilities, and I, I like it. But one of the main things of dishonored is it has, for those who haven't played, it has a chaos system, and that affects the game in a lot of ways. The more people you kill, the more chaotic things become in the game. Uh, the more you have to deal with some pests, like either rat, it was rats in the first one, uh, which turned to weepers. And then in the second one was like blood flies. So the more killing you do, the more blood flies you have to deal with, the more uh, rats and stuff you have to deal with. And, you know, guards are more on edge and, um, you know, people are more cautious in the streets because there's obviously like a murder around. So, you know, that's, um, that was how the game played for the first two. And now with death to the outsider, you don't really Get, there's no chaos system, so there's almost no penalty for you know. Uh, well, don't get me wrong. Like if you wanted to play, play through the game and kill everybody, that was your choice. But you know, when you were playing like more of a stealth uh, side of the game, because like Dishonored is a game where you can literally go through it without killing a single person. You can beat Dishonored without killing a single person. And if you're trying to go through the game with a uh, you know, with a with a pacifist style, like a no kill style, 
and you know you might have you know killed this person here killed this person there or you know you're just trying to keep it low chaos i should say um you know that could come and haunt you later like when you're trying to get through a part it could be a little bit harder if you're trying to get through it stealthily now you may have no choice but to fight your way through and with death of the outsider it's just kind of like you know if they see me oh well, i'm just gonna chop his head off it's it's no big deal you know so like right I, I played through the last level i played through i killed so many guards i was like well let me just go find the other ones and kill them too <laughs> like and that's what i ended up doing because it just didn't make any sense for me to go quiet so i i, I didn't so i've been playing that um what else did I start playing? I actually start playing Cuphead again because I know me and Christina are going to co-op that at some point. It's going to be great. But she's much farther ahead than me. She's much farther ahead, so I just got to make sure I'm not complete trash when I play it. Just practice like so. with the dragon. That's kind of where I'm at right now. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. Practice with the dragon. Practice I have with to... the dragon. Yeah, I um, I actually was playing it on t on my Xbox, and I was doing terribly on my Xbox. I switch it over to PC, and I'm just like, okay, here, I got it. I don't know what the problem is or what the difference is, but um, because the gameplay is the same frame rate, you still have to play it with a controller, you know. PC Master Good thing the, P- yeah, it, the PC <laughs> does set, it does sync uh, between the Xbox One and the, yeah, and the, P- and the PC, so I, I was at the same exact spot, same difficulty. And, uh, no, I think it has to do with the fact that like, I play, like, so my monitor for my PC is only 27 inches and it's 27 inches for a reason. I don't want it to be that much larger. Cause like when you, when you're playing on a larger screen and you're playing a competitive game or like a multiplayer shooter, it's actually a little harder to keep track of all the action. Uh, so you're playing on, on a smaller screen helps with that. And 27 inches technically, it's not a small screen. I could, but I could have a 32 inch up here and I think I'd be doing a little bit worse. So I think that's because like everything is more concise. I'm more focused on the PC. Like on console, after playing a game for about an hour or two, I'm about ready to, you know, shut it down. On PC, I can play a game for hours without stopping. So I don't know. I don't know. When with this the switch is so bad for me because I'll be on my couch. Like, you know the the promo for the switch there where they're like, you could play it however you want. And they literally had a couch on stage so they could show him like draped over the couch with his arms in weird situations. Like you could play like this. That's literally me. I'll lay on the couch with my arms like upside down and cross over and stuff for hours. Cause it's like so yeah. comfortable. Like you're not doing anything. Yeah, no, that's another reason. Like, I can't, like, I played the Switch more when I was, like, playing Overwatch, and I had the Switch, like, on my desk, and between Overwatch matches, I would take the Switch and play it while waiting for my next Overwatch match to pop up. I used to do that for StarCraft, too. Like, I used to, when I used to play StarCraft, I used to, uh, you know, play the match, go into queue for the next match, turn to the left, and play, like, something on the Xbox while I was waiting for my next match to come in StarCraft. So... Highly productive back then, too. I made tons of stuff. I did tons of programming little projects. Now it's like, where is the time going? No loading know. screens. Yeah, well, they asked nothing. Those SSDs aren't really helpful. Except when you're Overwatch, you get to pick your character first every time. <laughs> so it's helpful. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much been it for me. I did forget how much fun Cuphead was. Um, Actually, somebody I saw while I was when you were playing, somebody was on your stream disagreeing with you that Cuphead is not a Souls game, 
and I was going to say something, but I'm like, I don't feel like getting into an argument in Twitch they, chat. They did say, they said Cuphead was a Souls game, and I was like, yeah. uh, okay, so on to the next level. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't feel like getting into an argument on Twitch, but I can get into an argument here. <laughs> it's not really fair. I'm not. I'm not, I'm going to say my opinion on it. I think we've already talked about it, but uh, a Twitter is a better place for me to have an argument than Twitch, though. If this person listens and disagrees, the reason why it is not a Souls game, and I think me and Christina talked about this before and we agree, Souls games are trial and error. And yes, technically speaking, this game is also kind of trial and error as you learn the boss and stuff like that. But the difference between a Souls game and Cuphead is that if you are skilled enough, you don't have to die in Cuphead. If you're skilled enough from the beginning, if your reflexes are fast enough, if you can read the bosses fast enough, you don't have to die in Cuphead. In Dark Souls, there is absolutely no way for you to know some of that stuff is going to happen. Like, you're just walking and all of a sudden the ground crumbles beneath you. Like, there's just no way for you to know what's happening. You're on a ladder and now the ladder breaks. Like, you, there's no way to get around that. See, my Besides thing, not yeah, use the ladder at all. My thing with, with Dark Souls is I do that. I'll, I'll, like, I'll tell people like why I don't like Dark Souls because it's trial and error. I can't remember that shit. You're 15 minutes into a level and you fall through a hole and you die. Okay, don't fall through the hole again. 15 minutes later, I'm not thinking about the fucking hole. And then I fall through <laughs> it again. Like, <laughs> No. Yeah, like, in Cuphead's a little different. Like, yes, like, you know, for the average player, like, you know, when a boss does something kind of new, uh, you know, you will die, right? Um, but, like, you know, for example, uh, there's an early boss in Cuphead. There's, it's, the, it's like the little blue blob guy that at first he, like, tries to hit you in his head, then he gets bigger and he tries to hit you in his fist, and then he turns to a tombstone, and he, you know, Just- knocks... You know, he knocks himself over. And the first time he turned into a tombstone, he knocks himself over. I get hit and I die. And I felt like a complete fucking moron. I'm like, why didn't I just dodge that? I did the that same thing. I dodged into it, though. And I'm like, why would I do? I know he what he's going to do. Like, I'm not dumb, but I did it yeah, anyway. Exactly. Like, I see that he's tilting into me. And I'm just kind of standing there like, is he going to come all the way down? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> like, like, oh, my God, I feel like such a fucking idiot. Whereas, like, you know, a better player could have just died. I, I could have just dodged out of it and lived and then continued to shoot him, you know. So that's 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 why I don't really consider Cuphead like a, a soul-style game. You know, it's more like a bullet. It's more like a bullet hell shooter where, you know, if you are skilled enough in a bullet hell shooter, you don't have to die. It's extremely difficult, but you don't have to die. I'm sorry, in Dark Souls, the, for your first playthrough, you're going to die. That game's meant for <laughs> you to die. Yes. Like it, is, it is meant for you to die and come back and, uh, you know. Die again. Right, so that, that's why. But that is open to debate if you want to continue that. But on to our main topic. We're going to talk about game developers versus game communities. I mean, it is no um, secret that you know game communities can get kind of riled up when game developers make certain announcements or when they make certain decisions about the games it's been happening more recently uh than not mainly because i'm going to say because of bad decision that games that developers making like involving loot boxes or monetization stuff like that uh, we'll dive into that a little bit later but for now we're gonna you know the, this topic kind of came around well one because i mean 
it was only so much time before, you know, an uprising, an uprising, sorry, but an uproar happened. But also recently, if you haven't heard, ArenaNet fired two employees because of a exchange on Twitter. Jessica Price and Peter Fries were in a Twitter exchange with Darrier, I think is his name. I don't Dur- know how. Darrier? I don't know. He's a streamer. I don't keep up with the kids these days. Um... I forget, but he's like he's a big streamer for Arena Net. Like I'm pretty sure he streams Guild Wars or maybe Lineage, because uh, that's also an Arena Net game, isn't it? I can't remember. Either way, I think it's uh, Guild Wars. Um, I think it's but, Guild Wars. Yeah, I think it's Guild Wars. But uh, so after a um, Reddit AMA about game development, Price went onto her Twitter, and I guess she wanted to kind of can you know either continue the conversation on her Twitter or bring the conversation that she was having onto her Twitter. And I'm not going to read the entirety of what she said or what he said, because it's kind of long. We'll be here for a while. I'll just kind of get into the the meat of it. So the tweet that kind of started, she says, "Um, the dirty secret is I'm not sure if it's possible to make an MMORPG or CRPG character compelling, because people have different expectations about what uh, what that character will be as opposed to a pre-designed character in a single player game Uh, the streamer replies really interesting thread to read Uh, you know gives the little okay hands however allow me to disagree slightly I don't believe the issue lies in the MMORPG genre itself as you wordingly seem to suggest as your wording seems to suggest I believe the issue lies in the constraints of the living story narrative design. He actually had two more posts kind of explaining his positions. But after that, Price responds with, thanks for trying to tell me what we do internally, my dude. Uh, nine underscore nine. I don't know, I don't what, know what that, that is. is. I don't know. I, like I said, I don't keep up. Well, I, I think it's an eye roll. Oh, it's an eye. Oh. That would oh, that would make a lot of sense. Nine <laughs> underscore nine is an eye roll. Like he's up with the kids. You really funny. have to dig deep into that emote to see that. <laughs> to be honest with you, okay. So oh, apparently Nick keeps up with the kids. Good job, Nick. I, I just, I just have a good understanding of visual, uh, visual representation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then the streamer's reply was, "You getting mad at my obvious attempt at creating dialogue and discussion with you instead of just replying that I am wrong or otherwise correct me in my false assumption is really just disheartening to me." You do you, though. I'm sorry if it offended. I'll leave you to it. Now, it could have been left at that, and I think she'd still have her job if she left it at that. Maybe she would have, you know, uh, you know, she would have got talked to when she got back into the office, like, hey, you know, you really don't want to talk to the community like that, especially not, you know, a streamer, whatever. Or maybe nothing would have happened at all. You You never know. But she actually took what he said, not his, not his, like you know, reply to her in terms of you know, well, sorry for making you mad type deal. Um, you know, his uh, his slight disagreement. She takes that and she retweets it with a with a quote and says, "Today and being a female game dev," and quotes, "Allow me, a person who does not work with you, uh, explain to you how to do your job." And then you know, he there's his thread there. He replied to that post as well, saying, so much for an open discussion, I guess. I meant no disrespect at all. Never did. Never will. Neither did I imply I knew better. Nor has this anything to do with your gender. Never did. Never will. 
I retract my comment because obviously I'm in the wrong form for this kind of talk. That's what he says. So um, that's why. So the reason Peter Fry's got fired was because he came to Jessica's defense. I cannot find his tweets. They're all deleted right now. Huh? I don't know what he said, but his tweets are deleted. But I think he was cursing some people out, from my understanding. But there right. weren't. It didn't seem like there were too many. But I, I don't know. I, I wasn't able to see much because she didn't delete anything. Everything's still on her Twitter. Hmm. Well, I know. I, 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 I can't remember exactly what he said, but I know he. It was something to the effect of, uh, you know, a man trying to correct a woman because she's a co- a woman. You know, it's like a mansplaining type of thing that he posted about. Um. So I guess when because uh, this happened around the Fourth of July, I think mm-hmm. they both get in the office and uh, Rainanet they they didn't like that, so they let both of them go, and it kind of brings up a a good question of you know where do you draw the line? Uh, should game devs be held corporately responsible for their uh, corporately responsible for their tweets? And the interactions with the community and like, you know, where do you really draw the line between business and personal there? You know, so, so this is like, oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Christina. There's a, there are a couple of things um, about that, too. She shouldn't have jumped on him like that, but she actually has like, I don't even know, like 20 some tweets on this thread explaining why. Um, and... I think he might have responded like either right away or didn't take the time to to read all of the tweets explaining why how like characters like Laura Croft like she's her own character if she does something it doesn't matter because it's not a character that you've created in your head whereas if you create an MMO and that character is supposed to be a portion of yourself or a character that you've made up yourself you can only do so much with the dialogue or do so much you you kind of have to make them bland so that way you can kind of portray your image onto them. Um, and they do the same thing in Final Fantasy XIV. They give you small dialogue options, which really don't do anything. So that was her whole point. And I don't think he really read the whole thing through, which was probably frustrating. So I do want to point that out. Um, but I do think that if you... So take my job, for instance, I don't say anything that I do, like I don't post where I work or anything like that online, because anything that you say about the company, like you are being an extension of the company, I feel as if you say that kind of stuff online, then you can be held accountable, whereas I don't want to be. So when you put yourself out there saying, hey, I work for this company and this is what I go through and blah, 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 then you are portraying part of that company that you shouldn't you should be nice to your customers basically because if you say the wrong thing i mean you can you can get in a lot of trouble on different levels so it kind of depends i think she probably stepped out of line because she's like hey i work for this company and like you guys are being assholes like kind of thing you know like in, so i feel like in that area, she was out of line. But if nobody knew who she worked for and she was like, hey, I'm a game dev and this is, you know, what's going on, then it would have been fine. Right. I mean, she even 
she could have easily just if if the issue was something that she had already posted right she in her thread she had already posted an answer to what he had already said she could have easily just retweeted that in the thread itself right you know that that that's viable um but i think that one she, there's two main problems here for her in particular one she has a ritual she had arena net narrative team in her twitter profile one of the reasons she had so many follows in the first place was because she had that in her twitter profile if she didn't have who she worked for, what game she was working on, it's highly unlikely that she's just going to have that many people in her, uh, you know, following her. So they follow her specifically because of her connection to that job. So when you have that in your profile, you can't really be like you are an extension of the company at that point. And you did that voluntarily, unfortunately. But still, even though what she did with her kind of snapping at the community a little bit. I think that that was something that she could have come back from, you know. Uh, maybe after things cooled down a little bit, she apologizes uh, if she wanted to. You know, she might not want to apologize, but she apologizes like, oh, you know, didn't really mean to snap at you like that. But here's the point. The line got crossed when she made that second tweet, the one where she quotes him and saying, you know, she's basically saying that, oh, this is because I'm a female game dev, which essentially insinuates that this guy is being a misogynist. By making by making the comment that he made, that that is a is a quite a bit deeper. That's quite the accusation to make. And Nick is like squinting his eyes. He doesn't think so. Well, Go no, ahead, Nick. I, so I, I can tear this apart. I'm not, it's, I, I don't think that she's insinuating that he's a misogynist. Like I don't think the insinuation there is that he was like, oh, let me put this woman in her place. Although I think it's more the general. Here's a dude trying to give me his opinion and he may not like, like I think that's, that's sort of the the reception of that. There's a certain level of misogyny that is, it's, it's not, it's not incidental. It's, it's sort of unconsciously done that he, I guess maybe it's not that he's not a misogynist. It's that she's saying that he's an unconscious misogynist, that he's coming out and attacking her as a man. May, he may not re, he, he doesn't, and clearly he doesn't realize that he's doing that. Or if he does realize that he's doing it, he's masked it very well but i don't think that she's saying that oh this is a a guy that hates women this is a guy that just doesn't respect them properly what's the key word in your statement there nick misogynist is is fine 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 fine. if you are if you are a unwitting misogynist you're still a misogynist like misogyny is like a behavior right it's not like just like racism right like you can be an unwitting unwill um uh, yeah, unwitting racist, right? You just don't know that you're being racist because of, you know, maybe your your background or previous life experience, stuff like that. It's the same thing. I do, I do get where you're coming from, and I think that is probably how, how she picked it up, and he might not say. So being somebody who sees that kind of stuff all the time, personally, I understand how someone will say something and I'll be like, are you just saying that because I'm a girl because you need to chill? Because I totally see that in my like personal life and at work and stuff all the time. So I can see, right. yeah, I can see her end on, on that behalf. Um, but I don't really think. I'm not saying I can't. I, I mean, I can totally see why she would think that. Um, well, you know, that may be her personal experience. I get that. 
But here's where the line comes between personal Twitter, business Twitter, right? On her personal Twitter, she gets away with that. On her business Twitter, she does not. You put ArenaNet in your in your Twitter profile, you don't get away with that. Like, yes, like it, I'm pretty sure as a actually, I'm, I'm fucking positive as a female game developer, she has had guys tell her, oh, uh, you know, that she's wrong about things when she's not. And, you know, they may be unwitting misogynist. Uh, but unfortunately, you just can't go throwing that. You can't go throwing those words around. You can't go throwing those labels around because they have weight she behind it. She didn't say it was a misogynist, though. She just said he was a man, right? She said today it's it's insinuated in her in her. Right, but, yeah, but you, you, yeah, but you can't. You can't say don't throw the word around when you're only insinuating it because now you're reading you can't, it. You can't insinuate. Like, that's just like if I insinuated somebody as being a racist. Like, it's the same thing. It holds the same weight. Like, but it you, holds the same weight. You, but she's not, but you're, you're saying you can't throw the word around. You're saying you can't even insinuate that the, you, you can't throw the insinuation around is what you're saying. On, on your business Twitter, it's involved with your job? No. I would, you don't want to insinuate, you, you can't, like, it's not, you can't insinuate that community members are misogynists. <laughs> like, you can't insinuate that, especially for something as light as this, right? Somebody just giving their opinion. Oh, you gave your opinion? If I was a man, you wouldn't give me, you know, that opinion. See, I I can't say that because I'm not in her position. Uh, I feel like I'm somewhat, maybe like 40-ish percent of, of what she deals with, but uh, but usually when I talk to some a dude and he just ignores me or I'm like, yo, what can I do for you? He's like nothing. And then walks up to like the next male associate like, yo, can I get this? I just ignore them. I pretend like they're not there like in person, which is a little bit more rude than just ignoring them on Twitter when you have a lot of followers. But I just ignore them. There have been times where I've been like super close to snapping, uh, but I haven't. But I haven't been in, you know. I haven't been dealing with it as long as her. Um, so I totally get it. But he was opening it up for discussion as well. He wasn't just saying, this is my fact and this is why you're wrong 100%. He's like, well, this is what I think. And then he kind of left it open because he was hoping for a debate from a developer that he actually really looked up to. Like he's made comments before on uh, about her on his stream about how he likes her writing and, and stuff like that. So... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like this has kind of opened up a big debate, not just obviously with ArenaNet between, but also between a lot of game developers and publishers and communities. Like, you know, obviously there's a lot of people in the community who agree and disagree. There's a lot of game developers who agree and disagree. I know Randy Pitchford, he made a post about, you know, well, if this happened at uh Gearbox, you know, they they would still be working here. That's his you know, kind of take on it. But, you know, I don't know how that gets Borderlands 3 done, to be honest with you. There was a large segment of the community, I think, the, the development community that had her back and, and said that ArenaNet was wrong. And it seemed to me like, I, and, and I understand the, the idea that, like, because sexism is so pervasive that you kind of need to, you you kind of need to back the, the the woman in this case because generally she's the one being under attack. But it felt to me like a lot of the people defending her didn't 
at least they didn't see the same thing in the thread that I did, that it seemed that she was the one who crossed the line first. And right. it almost felt like the kind of thing where, you know, when, when you're, when you're, when you're fighting sexism and you want to, you know, like represent equality and stuff, you want to make sure that you're representing equality every time. And there are, there are times when, you know, just because somebody's a woman, they're still going to be wrong. And if you're, you know, and if you, if you defend them in the instances where they're wrong, then that kind of, it, it, it makes your side look like you're just defending the women just for the sake of defending the women. And right. it felt like this, the, like by, by so blindly supporting her, you know, and, and condemning arena net. And I'm not saying that she should have been fired necessarily. Um, and, and arena net caused their own problems, which I don't know if we're going to get into or not, but uh, there, I mean, there's, there's definitely some fallout from this that arena net um, contributed to, but it, it, it's the kind of thing where, you know, if you want to advance equality, you know, you need to call a spade a spade. And I think they didn't, I think in this case, there were a lot of people who just blindly defended her. And I mean, if, if they saw something different, out of her reaction. I mean, I, I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying she wasn't right to get riled up necessarily, but she, she, she could have handled that better straight up. I don't think any, any, I, I don't think anybody is going to say that, that she, she, she handled that properly. Well, I think that, no, a lot of people are, a lot of people are saying she handled it properly, but I think as a lot of it has to do with the fact that a lot of people only saw this second tweet where she's only, she highlighted what she said and put her context on it. If you read the original thread, which is actually it's it's a pretty lengthy thread, right? Just for me to find the part where he got into it, the thread had gone on pretty long. Um, so a lot of people wouldn't necessarily do that. You know, that's kind of that's I think I think that's where a lot of this comes from. It's like you're right that if you know people are taking this out, but they may not be seeing both sides of the of the story. But you know, I guess one of the main things here is like, you know, should she have been fired for that? Um, I don't necessarily, I'm half and half on that because I'm kind of just like, I see why Arena made the decision that they did. Um, but at the same time, I could also say that it's not, it's not a mandatory fire. It definitely was not a mandatory fire. Uh, but, you know, the backlash Arena that could have caught from keeping her on after doing something like that, not just her doing the eye roll thing, you know, with, you know, her kind of just shutting the guy down, but the more of this, that second tweet where she's insinuating misogyny that like that could have caused major waves in their community. That would have caused their uh, community management team much, much, much pain, (laughs) you know? Well, the, the problem is that her firing has already caused major waves in the community going the other way that, that people who, because I, th- I think part of the problem here is that she has been fairly ardent as far as uh, I, 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 I'm trying to come up with the, I guess, I guess being a feminist, I guess, as far as, far as the word um, that a lot of the, the gamer gators uh, for lack of a better group, but, but, but uh, you know, the, the, the people associated with that sort of cause, they saw the opportunity to jump on this and then start, sending letters to other companies saying like, you need to fire this female developer uh, because she said these things online, which weren't necessarily true. And I know one of them, there's one instance where a developer got a letter. It said, you need to fire insert female developer name here <laughs> because she has said things <laughs> on, on, on Twitter and so oh, on and so forth God. that um, that's sort of the problem here is that by arena net overreacting. So, so publicly it, it, it enabled the, the worst members of the community to, 
sort of feel enabled and step up. And that's worse members of the game community in general, not yes. necessarily arena community. There's yes. no way they could have predicted that Gamergate would have jumped on it like this and used it. I mean, you can't predict everything, unfortunately. You know what I'm saying? Like I said, I don't think it was a mandatory fire, but it, I can understand. Well, apparently why they, they, they did, already they knew because apparently this isn't the first time she's made comments. I guess not as harshly and not didn't, I guess, garner as much notice. Um, and they uh, allegedly have never said anything to her about it before. So if this was an ongoing issue, I, I'm very like business unless you like literally told somebody to like, I don't, I don't even know, like something like way beyond what she would have said. I feel like it should have been at least like a first and final or like some kind of write up like, Hey, just don't do this again and we'll be good. You know, see companies only work like that in certain circumstances, right? Like it really depends how big or public it was. This was like pretty public. And then arena definitely added fuel to that fire, making it very like, but like, you know, if you do something as I'm trying to think as like a best buy employee and maybe it only affects your store, that's one thing, you know. But if you do something like fucking crazy on YouTube with your Best Buy shirt with your name tag on, you are getting fired the first time. <laughs> you know, well, there's been plenty of instances of people, and this is more so applies to general media companies where they, where you, you know, you have like a face that's, you know, on on TV. Their their face represents the brand. Um, where you know they've said something on Twitter, and then they've you know quietly been told. You know, you know, you're banned from Twitter for two or three weeks and, and they just don't post anything that the company can assert themselves that way. I think that, I mean, that was an interesting thing that she posted, but I, I, I get the impression that the, the way she converses with people, I don't think Twitter is the right medium for her. That it's it, just by putting like Twitter is one of those places where you, when you tweet out, you're almost prompting for a response. Every comment has basically has a reply to button attached to it. Yep. And, you know, so, so there are, there are forums that you can go on. I don't mean like forums literally, but you know, there, there's media that you can use like a podcast, for example, it's a little bit harder for people to give us feedback and really get into something. They have to email us. They, they can tweet at us and then we can choose dinner. You know, you know, they can tweet at us. We'll bring it up on the next show. We can also choose not to bring it up on the next show, but please tweet at us at MTV <laughs> site. We like your feedback, but you know, there, there, there are formats where, it can be a bit more one-sided that you're not, you know, necessarily like, you know, that it, it doesn't immediately instigate, you know, any kind of response. Twitter is, is the worst at that, that anybody it's too easy to click reply there. I mean, that's the whole, you know, that's the whole way that it works. It's intentional like that, yeah. but that was yeah, actually, I, 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 that was actually one of the comments. I think, what was this? Uh, Phil, Philip, wait, what was his name again? I'm sorry. I'm thinking of yeah, Philip Fry from, from Futurama. Futurama. <laughs> Um, but or one of Peter the comments, one of the Peter Fry's, there we go. Oof. Um, that he made was she didn't ask for your feedback or something like that. That was one of, yeah, that was one of the things that he did tweet. If I remember correctly. And I saw that and I was like, whoa, man, it's Twitter. And she's just coming off of an AMA. Like, this is kind yeah, of, I don't have the. I'm sorry, go ahead. I, no, I, I was just saying, this is kind of like asking for feedback, or at least, you know. I'm looking at one of the replies. It wasn't from Peter. It was from this guy named Zach. Uh, he says, I agree with her, though. 
She didn't ask for your opinion. You came to her personal Twitter to unnecessarily dump your opinion on her and tell her how her job should be done. Do I go to your Twitter and tell you how to make your YouTube videos? I'm pretty sure people do. <laughs> <laughs> you can. You can. It's right there. YouTube's got comments. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, you know, like I wouldn't be, you know, obviously I don't have that many Twitter followers, right? But sometimes when I'll post certain things, I'll get responses from people who don't follow me at all because mm-hmm. people follow hashtags, people follow certain topics, people use tweet decks to just find shit to argue about, right? You know, you can do that. So, you know, I'll get responses from certain people and, you know, I'll give like a smart ass comic or it's common or something like that sometimes back depending on how they reply to me. You know, but I, I'm not like, oh, I can't believe this person actually gave me their opinion. Huh. Huh. You know, like, <laughs> like, how dare they? Like, that shouldn't be the case. When it you're it with is her. a little different because she has a lot more followers as right. she's been dealing with it for a lot longer. Um, but at but the same time, it's not going to go away no matter how long I'm you sorry. Deal with it. If I had that many followers and I'm just posting a thread about this shit, like, I wouldn't even look at Fly. it like yeah. if i didn't want your feedback then you can provide it but i'm not gonna read it like i don't know why she would take her time to go through it right yeah i mean or she could just like not reply back like you know okay whatever like that's that's his opinion he just gave his opinion it's fine you don't have to defend it like he wasn't i mean he just he slightly did like, he even said like, i slightly disagree with you gave his opinion and, you know, he has his right to his opinion, whether he's right or wrong, you know, if she wanted to actually, the more powerful move would have been to, if she had like, you know, be like either like what you said earlier, if she had already explained why in her post, then just retweet the explanation. She already said it or tell him to go read what she posted or maybe just say, well, no, you're wrong because of X, Y, Z, you know, you got to start your dominance, show you the alpha. That's what you got to do. But like just coming back with like a comment like that, that was probably not the best way to do it. But still, her original reply is wasn't horrible, you know. It, her original, original reply wasn't a horrible. One. I don't think she would have got fired if she would have just kind of stuck with that, you know, just and just left it, it alone. Yeah, but you know, this is just an example where, like, you know, in, in the example here, I'm not. I don't think you really have. You have opinions, right? There is no right or wrong side. Even me, right? I, I, I'm thinking like, okay, like, well, I see why she did get fired. I can understand Arena with the next point of view and why they would take that action. Uh, I don't necessarily think it was unjust, but at the same time, I could also see ways around this without her getting fired. Like, what, like Nick said, like, you know, they got to reel her in on Twitter. Like, look, you need to make your Twitter private. If you're going to be posting stuff like that, you need to take a like, Actually, at, at this point, it's too late her to take arena net out of the name of of the uh, or out of the description of her Twitter. Even if she takes it out, people are still following her because they know she hurt that she works for Arena Net. You know? Yeah, but now she no longer represents them. She actually she now should she take doesn't. she should take the name out of the profile at this point. She I don't actually, think she yeah, has. it's still there. She has not it's still yeah. says Arena Net narrative team. Um you know, but that's the thing, like you know, where do you draw the line? Well one of the places you draw the line between your you know personal and, and business is making sure that your business name is not in your your tweets you know what i'm saying like i put mash those buttons in my twitter because i'm not gonna fire myself so (laughs) you know but that's a different story you know i don't put my real job um yeah that 
it ain't my Twitter because if I say some off the wall shit, which sometimes I will for a good joke, you know, I'm partial to a good joke, <laughs> but um, you know, I don't want the HR coming for me. Like I said, I don't, I don't post where I work anywhere. Like, uh, even things like my Facebook, which is private, I don't even like use it that often. But anytime I do speak about my job, I actually never name my job specifically because I just like try to keep it, keep it out of there. Like I'll have my own personal opinions and stuff, but I don't need no like anybody finding me and go look what she said about this thing and then getting fired. You know, like I try to stay away from it as much as possible. I, I would not. I have the fear that I'll go out to the mall and see a customer in the mall and I'm like, oh my God, I have to be professional. Like, well, I don't want to work while I'm off the clock. Like, I don't want that in my personal life. I don't, right. yeah, I don't know how people like produce like, this is where I work consistently. Right, exactly. Uh, you don't want to necessarily get mobbed. But you people can mob me anytime. It's okay. <laughs> it's a joke. <laughs> Don't mob me, please. I'm sure you can take them on. <laughs> yeah, so, but I mean, like you know, like we mentioned this this over the over the years. There's just been so many examples of you know devs and publishers going head to head with their communities. And when I say communities, I don't just mean the game communities at large. I mean communities that deal specifically with those games, like people who love those games and stuff like that. And, um, you know, another example we had is like, you know, Mass Effect 3 produced a great deal of uh, community backlash twice, you know. Uh, one, I would say I'm on the side of the community. One, not so much. You know, one that one not so much had to do with Jennifer Halper. Uh, Hepler, sorry, God damn it! I mean, I did not mean to say that. <laughs> but Jennifer Jim Hepler, Halpert? what? <laughs> yeah, Jennifer Hepler, uh, who she was a a writer for Bioware, and this is before Mass Effect Three came out. I'm pretty sure. And you know, she had an interview where she talked about the fact that she just enjoys the story more, and she loved to see a game where you can just you know, go from cutscene to cutscene essentially, just go, you know, go through the game and get the story. And that caused so much backlash in terms of the community. Cause I guess a lot of people read that as, oh my God, she's trying to kill games. I mean, she's not the fucking creative director, people. She's just a writer. She I actually she might have been a lead writer, I don't know. But still she's not the person making the actual game. Uh, she never said that all games should be, you know, just story or anything like that. But, you know, that came down to like a very elitist attitude. Like, if you're not putting in the work, you don't des deserve the story. I'm like, oh, okay. You know, that's what I kind of came down to. So Yeah, Telltale games aren't popular at all or anything, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, man, you got to hit those QTEs in those Telltale games, okay? Just saying. You got to put the work in. I feel so embarrassed every time I miss one of those buttons because they're like coming at you. A Telltale game is how I figured out one of my uh, one of my keyboards is broken because the E button wouldn't work properly all the time. I'm like, I swear to God, I hit E. I should not be dead. You know, or that person shouldn't be dead. You know. Um, but yeah, like Jennifer Hepler, Hel uh, Hepler was one of those examples of uh you know the community kind of coming down on a dev and specifically a person because just because of their opinion and ultimately they were wrong 
But then you have community backlash, which actually was still kind of divided among the community about the Mass Effect 3 endings, you know, which I am, after beating Mass Effect 3 back in 2016, finally, I am firmly on board that those endings were not up to par. And the community was 100% right in being a bit angry about that. But Nick, you didn't finish the game yet. I didn't finish it, no. So I, no. You wouldn't know. I'm probably not going to finish it for like 10 years. But. Dude, like, I I was getting to the end of Mass Effect 3. I'm like, okay, finally I'm going to get to see what the what this is all about. And I went through the process of going and doing the, the ending that I wanted. You know, the, the kind of the ending that I've been playing through, you know, playing for or whatever. And then I was like, okay, well, now I'm going to go back and do the other endings. And I went back and did the second ending. I'm like, it's the same goddamn thing. It's the same goddamn thing. And then I went to YouTube to get the third ending. I'm like, it's the same fucking thing. You know, actually, I found out there was four endings. There's four endings in Mass Effect 3. I'm not going to tell you how to get the fourth ending. Um, it's not that difficult to do, but that's actually the first one I got, by the way. Like I got the, I got the ending that nobody really talks about. Wait, is it the same um, ending? Are all four of them the same? Or is it just the no. three? The only one that's different is the fourth ending that's not necessarily super intuitive. Well, they added that, they added that didn't they? No, because, no. No. No, what they added in the DLC was additional uh, additional story. Not additional story, but like basically a wrap-up story after the endings uh, so if you do one ending like let's say you do the uh the, the blue ending uh after you do the blue ending there's like um some additional story about what happens to shepherd after the blue ending right or if you do the red ending there's like you know what happens to the rest of the universe with the red ending or the green ending you know same thing the the fourth ending just, things just don't turn out that great for anybody. So it's, it's a completely different ending out of all, the, all of them. But the ending, it's the, it's the ending cinematic that's essentially the same. The only thing they change is the color palette of the ending cinematic. So I'm sorry, but I am purely on team community for that one, not team Bioware, because that shit was ridiculous. For a game that had overlapping decisions for, th- for three you know, different games, and had to, you know, the the ending decisions comes down to three, actually four decisions. I can get down with that. Okay, you have at at the end of this massive game, we give you four decisions you can make, four different endings. Each of those four endings needs to be different. You know, each of the four they need to be different. If Spec Ops can do it, you can do it. Bioware, <laughs> you know, so yeah. But that I, I'm purely on team community for that one also on team community for star wars battlefront 2 because that's one of the more recent ones that you know we saw a lot of community uh you know community lashing out about the loot box situation to the point that disney got involved and uh you know pretty much saved the day on that one because disney wasn't having that shit but that's that's one that's you know one of those uh backlash is about you know basically monetization right you know the monetizing the game properly or i shouldn't say monetizing the game properly right because game developers and publishers are are going to constantly find new ways to monetize their games it all comes down to how much value it is for the player you know 
like for example with Fortnite, and you're gonna this is gonna happen more and more frequently. These battle passes or these progression passes, Fortnite is free, but you every few months you pay for a progression pass to play in the season, which season's free by the way. You just pay for the progression pass to pay, progression pass to get this stuff. To the players that are playing the game, that is fair. That's fair. You know, that's that's fine. But in you know, Star Wars Battlefront 2, a game you're paying 60 bucks for in order to actually get unlocks and stuff like that, you have to pay for more loot boxes. At least it will make more sense to pay for loot boxes. But go ahead, Nick. Well, no, I was going to say, it's funny that you talk about monetization um, incurring the wrath of the player base, which is, is entirely correct. But the player base has even changed on this because uh, wasn't it one of the Ultimate games that had the, the horse barding armor that was like the first real example of microtransactions that everybody thought, was upset about? I thought that was a... Um, a, a uh, Elder Scrolls game. Was it an Elder Scrolls? It was. It, was, it might have been an Elder Scrolls. Where you pay like for horse armor. Yeah, yeah. It was like five. Or, was it? Is either five or fifteen dollars just to get armor for your horse? And I don't even know yeah. if it actually did anything. I think it might have just been cosmetic. Even I think it was cosmetic. But, but people yeah. lost their mind about it back then, and you know, here we are now, what, like fifteen years later, and the communities evolved so much that you know, a game like Fortnite, where there's a ton of microtransactions based around you know, skins and whatnot, or, or, you know, a game like Overwatch again, where, you know, a bunch of microtransactions based around skins. We're okay with that. That's what we're fine with. It's the progression that gets everybody upset. Well, and so I think you could be like a free to play game, but pay to win. So free to play, pay to win or pay to play free to win, but you can't be a pay to play, pay to win kind of game. And that's, I think, kind of what, because you had to, you had to get like a bunch of characters and stuff from like the battle pass or the battle passes. Oh my god, Fortnite from the loot boxes for Star Wars, right? Um, yeah, basically, you know, you would have to pay like you'd have to play like an inordinate amount of time to get these characters, or you can get them from loot boxes, basically. Yeah, that's why Fortnite's so perfect for everybody because it's neither. It's it's you don't pay for it and you don't have to pay to win, so everybody loves it. I don't know how many times I've gotten kids in trouble because parents are like, oh, I had to get this battle pass for them. They need it to play. And I'm like, no, they don't. It's all cosmetic. They're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> well, plus the battle pass is like, it's not expensive. It's like 10 bucks. That's why Epic is making so much fucking money on it. I'm pretty sure it's like $10. There's one like that's the 10 pass. and I think they released one for 25 this season. And what does the $25 one do? More shit. Faster progression? <laughs> like, this is like faster progression? Like a $10 battle pass? Like, on a free-to-play game? Like, okay, I'm down with that. You know? Like, because fucking, like, in Overwatch, $10 only gets you, like, how many loot boxes? Maybe 10? It might be maybe 11? Like, you know, and, like, it could be just filled with trash. 10 boxes of trash. <laughs> you know? Uh, so yeah, like yeah, no, like I, I can totally see that being okay. So Shadows of War also had the same issue with loot boxes, but theirs was a little bit different because, um, in order to get all of the items in the game, like if you were a completionist, there were items that you could only get in loot boxes, only. So you there was no way for you to one hundred percent the game. Unless you actually purchase loot boxes or, or manage to get a, like, you know, maybe one of the free loot boxes you got, manage to get the item that you needed. Well, were there like trophies locked behind that too? 
well, yeah, like to plat. I'm pretty sure to get to to platinum, you had to get all the like you know weapons and stuff. Oh my god. Yep. So that affected that that caused some backlash because that's also a sixty dollar game that they're trying to force loot boxes into. You know, so that uh, that causes some trouble. I know, that one I kind of think is on the player. Like you need to recognize that you don't need one hundred percent the game. You don't need all those things and. If you know you're the kind of player that's going to be like that, you then don't this is need not a game to play the buy. game, Nick. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. That's what I'm saying. But if you're the, you if you're the kind no, of player, then no, skip no, that I'm, game. I'm going to side with the player on this one. You don't need to play the game. If everybody thought like that, games wouldn't sell. But people, there are people who buy games and they want to get those platinum trophies. That's part of the game experience for them. I was going to so say to lock that. Yeah, to lock that There's... behind a loot box. No team community yeah, on this. Everybody. One, Nick. Well, fr- frankly, I mean. I I don't think the game sold that well anyway. So I mean, uh, just, no, it didn't. Just didn't imagine. Know, so I think. Just imagine you have ninety nine platinum trophies on your PlayStation. You get Shadow of War, and you're like, "This is going to be number one hundred." You get like halfway through the game, <laughs> and, and then you realize, "Oh, I have to pay real money to get this platinum trophy." Shit, what do I do? You're gonna pay the money because you have to, to be maybe get to the get platinum trophy because it is a loot box. That's true. It is a loot box. Like how disheartening! What if you have all of the games you've ever played on your PlayStation are platinum, and now you're stuck behind this wall because you have to get the platinum. You know, if you look at every game, like every game has like it's like an RPG like that, it's gonna have quests in there. You know, like in Warcraft, they got the exclamation mark over the head. You know that kind of stuff. So this is just another quest to go out and earn enough real money to buy the loot boxes to get the achievement. And that's and then you get you win. You get the reward. It's the same thing. They're just expanding the world of the game beyond the physical confines of the console and the TV. So really, they're expanding the world. I think they're doing a great service for gamers. And now you know why Nick is the games industry public. <laughs> that's probably the best example I have of the previous MASH cast of why Nick is the games industry public defender. Because he spews bullshit like that all the time. <laughs> it took me a while to get there. But I got there. (laughs) (laughs) Like, no, no, like, no. Uh, That's why I mean, I I completely agree with people who are upset about the Shadows of War. Now, let's talk about my favorite game to hate. Let's talk about Destiny 2. Ja's greatest I told you so moment (laughs) in the history of Ja, probably. (laughs) He's paying a lot of money to talk about this right now. I just want to let you know. This is an actual topic. I think he's (laughs) off the, uh, he's he's out of the the, the The Destiny Jar. jar, (laughs) Well, the the thing about Destiny 2 is that, you know, there was a ton of backlash, you know, almost immediately after they left the game. And it's kind of funny because it echoes Destiny 1 a lot, right? When Destiny 1 first came out, they had the beta. Everybody was like, oh my god, it's going to be a great game. But everybody didn't know that they just showed us one-fourth of the entire game in that beta. Um, and then the game comes out. It sells great. People play it. And then, pff, gone. You know, you only have the hardcore Destiny players left. Destiny 2 did the same exact thing. Except now, even the hardest core fans are leaving because, you know, it's just like, really, you did it to us again? You know, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me once, shame on me. And it just didn't hold the attention of some of their most loyal players. We lost a podcast to that shit. <laughs> we lost a podcast to Destiny 2, uh, you know, just not living up to what it should have been. Like, the game developers, 
didn't learn from their mistakes. They cut corners. Instead of fixing the net code for the Crucible, they just cut it down to four players instead of fixing it. Nick just informed me earlier today that the Crucible's back up to six players and laggy as shit. Well, no fucking shit because they never fixed the original problems in the first place. They refused to put dedicated servers in. They refused to put uh, meaningful content in. They always have trouble with fucking uh, items and overpowered items and character balance. I could talk about this for such a long time, but I'm not. (laughs) I'm just saying I understand the backlash about Destiny 2. Wow, that's it? Yeah, I, I understand the backlash with Destiny 2. And I'm on team game community for that one as well, because, you know, Destiny as a game really did survive uh, because of the community bonds that were built because so many people bought Destiny 1 because they thought it was going to be good. And because of the efforts of the community to make things easier, like there was no LFG in Destiny 1. There was no way to talk to people in the... um, in the tower in Destiny 1, right? So how are you supposed to make these raid groups that you need without already having friends to do it? Community members set up websites to do so and communicate. Like People like Jorge set up Facebook groups and brought people into them and they made, you know, these really big clans. And, you know, that's why Destiny survived. And you would think that the game developers, you know, Bungie, would take all this into consideration when making Destiny 2 and they really did not do it. Go ahead. But isn't that kind of a double-edged sword? Because when the game's going well and you have these grassroots communities springing up, you know, they're springing up over a shared love of the game, <clears throat> excuse me, shared interest of the game. And, you know, so it's one of those things like, oh, you know, you're hyped to play the game. You get home, you get on your, you know, your, your little forum group or whatever. And, and, you know, or even you're at work and you're checking your phone and you see everybody talking about, oh, hey, you know, this patch just came out. Everybody's excited. And, you know, you get home, you play. And it fosters that love for the game. But then when the game starts to turn south, all these communities where people are going to look for groups, you know, most of them have forums and stuff. You know, it's not just a straight looking for group tool or, and, and stuff like that, or even Reddit in general. When the game starts to go south, the comments turn. And now all you're doing all day is just li- reading, you know, the game's terrible. The game's terrible. I'm, you know, here's why I'm leaving. The, you know, this is the eighth day in a row I've posted. They haven't fixed anything, stuff like that. And now those, those grassroots communities that were driving your game before and driving, you know, interaction, they're poisoning it now. And I mean, ultimately it all comes back to the developer. It's all entirely on the developer for letting the game get to that state. But now when you try to fix things, you've got to fight against this momentum that's built up. That's beyond your control because it's not just, you know, the bungee forums. It's not, you know, even, even just the subreddit that, you know, and, and especially too, as people, as people leave those communities, like, like Jorge did, they stop posting. And so you're, you know, you're at work, you're not getting the little alerts on your phone. Everybody's talking about destiny. You get home, you may not, you know, you're maybe you play it. You're not as excited to, because people weren't talking about all day. Maybe you forget to play it. You find another game. Cause that's the other thing is those communities move on. And once, you know, it's like, once you lose the fans, you lose the fans that it's, it's, it's sort of, it, it's a, a multiplier that these communities have. And it, it's just, it's something that, you know, I think a lot of a lot of game developers, I think they could do a better job trying to manage. And I know you kind of argue about that because you're always talking about like with servers and, and whatnot, like let the community take care of this, let the community take care of moderation and stuff. And I'm not saying that they shouldn't, but I think it's a tool that the that, that the developers need to 
work better with. And it even kind of goes back to the discussion about price earlier, as far as how you interact with that community, who has the control of that. You have to trust the people that you put in place to be front facing with that community as far as how they're going to foster that relationship. Because, you know, and, and I, th I think you do see that with a lot of developers that, you know, they do have, you know, good relationships with a lot of their Twitch streamers, you know, a lot of the, the YouTubers, the more prominent ones, they, you know, they, they, they become, you know, extensions of the company, which is kind of what you want to see, but it's, it's a tricky thing to, to navigate for a company. Uh, no, you're right. It is a, a, a tricky thing uh, to navigate for the company, which is why I don't think the company should be trying to uh, control their communities. I don't think it should be able to control the community. They should be working if they could be working with the communities. Like games, like um, not every game is a uh, works well with that, right? Like um, Epic was able to work with the Unreal community to improve Unreal Tournament because of the tools they have put out. Same thing with Valve and Counter Strike and stuff like that. But you know, in some cases, you just kind of need to keep a pulse on what's happening in the community and make adjustments based on that. Um, Blizzard does a good job with that. I think Riot does a good job with that. Um, Bungie does not do a good job with that. And that was part of the biggest problem, right? Where we're not talking about, like, you know, the game came out. We're not talking about all this stuff happening in one year. We're talking about a game community that survived for three years. Two of those years with serious content droughts. Return of the King came out with no DLC for the rest of the year. Uh, Rise of Iron came out with no DLC for the rest of the year. Massive content droughts for those games. For, that did not have a lot of content to begin with. That's, let's remember that. This is not like a Warcraft expansion where the expansion comes out, you have a ton of fucking content, and then they deliver you more patches that give you even more content. No, yep. that's not what happened here. These they, they, these people love this game and they just wanted Bungie to fix some of the things that were reason that were reasonably asked for. Non-laggy crucible, non-laggy iron banner, um, some better balance for some of the weapons. They got tired of hearing the Mida multi-tool in every game. You know, stuff like that. That's what they were asking for. And Bungie completely ignored it. And as a matter of fact, Destiny 2 Forsaken's coming out. And from what I can see, it's going to be fucking chaos. Everything that they said in that goddamn trailer, I was like, this is going to be fucking chaos. And they actually said that in the trailer themselves and said, it's going to be awesome. I'm like, I don't think so. But go ahead, Nick. Well, no, I, I want to say, though, I think a lot of this has to do with the personalities that you put on your game development teams and, and, and the personalities that you assign to be front-facing. Because... I know you, you said Blizzard usually does a good job and usually they do, but there are times where they haven't done a good job. And it's usually right after somebody who was a very good uh, developer representative has moved on. I know like ghost crawler, uh, you know, he did a very good job on the wow team and then he moved on and the team kind of was a little bit uneven. And, and now Ian's doing a better job with that. Or, uh, or even Ben Brode was very good as far as responding to the community. And then he just left the Hearthstone team and there was a little bit of a period there right after he left. And I don't even know if they've actually formally replaced him, but the, 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 the game was, the game was too quiet for the community that they, they needed to hear more from the developers to let them know what was going on with stuff. And it really, I think it comes down to who you put in charge of that, that that's, it, it's one of those things like you think like, Oh, if you're going to be like a, a, a manager, you know, as far as whatever skills you need to be a manager, you have to add to that list, you know, depending, I guess where you fall into the hierarchy, 
you know, that you need to be good at dealing with the community, which is its own skill set in its own right. And something that that's incredibly difficult and insane. Um, but it's something I think that all developers need to be cognizant of it. And it goes back to the, the, the arena net thing, because that developer, you know, I don't, I don't think she was, she should have been in a position to be front facing like that. And I know that was a personal Twitter account that she had referenced on her, uh, you know, going back to the company, but, um, but that's something where, you know, once, once, once it's out there and people know that you, you'll talk about that on online and on, you know, in public places, people are going to hit you. And some people are much better at dealing with that than others. Exactly. Yeah. Like, I mean, that goes like, where's the line thing? The moment you put your company, especially in media driven, uh, I would say fields like game development, television, uh, you know, movies, stuff like that. When you put who you are and who you work for in, in those places, you, I'm not saying those people own your Twitter, but I wouldn't be surprised if those if those companies have you know social media, you know they're they're watching your social media. I mean, shit, I wouldn't be surprised if um I, you know the company I work for watches you know social media as well. You know, I wouldn't be surprised. Like it's not that I wouldn't at this day and age I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, but you still I have remember. to be careful on what you say, regardless, because even if you don't post where you work, if you make enough of an uproar, social media will find. Find you. I mean, we've seen that plenty of times. I remember in the earlier days of Twitter, the the company that I work for, uh, like every, they'd always say in, in the in company meetings and stuff, and they'll go, oh, by the way, follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook. And I was like, hell no. Like, I don't yeah. want any <laughs> any visible association between, my, you know, my, my social media accounts and the company, because I don't think you want that either. <laughs> like, this yeah. is, like This is really better for both of us if we just don't acknowledge each other in any kind of public way. I thought that's how you were saying they're, they're trying to track you, Nick. <laughs> they might be. They might be. It might be sneaky like that. I don't know. I mean, my job even says, like, hey, post things within reason. You can't slander the company. You can't, like speak as if like you were speaking on behalf of us and stuff like that but it's also i mean if you you can't really not be speaking for the company you know like it's hard to hard to not speak for the company when you have the company name right behind you like hey i work here also fuck everybody like yeah that makes it makes it a little tough so uh just gotta be a little you know in the age of social media, you got to be a little smarter, right? You know, you got to be a little, uh, uh, <laughs> you got like, you know, personally, you want to make sure you don't do anything to endanger your, your job. But at the same time, these companies have to make sure that, you know, anything you do, that's a reflection of them. Like it doesn't negatively impact them. Yeah. So, I mean, I even have a story about that from, from us way back. Uh, where I had to make some adjustments to policy. Um, this was like back when we used to go to PAX East as a big group. <laughs> and um, I'm not sure, Nick, were you there the year mm-hmm. I had to put policies in place? For no, it was the year before I went. That was the year before you before, went. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I, got went. To, I, I got to go and actually like have to respect all the policies and, and not have any fun. Yeah, so basically I had to, like, we went to one PAX East and um, it was actually it was NC Soft slash ArenaNet. <laughs> Funny enough, was having an after party. 
And I didn't go to the after party because they were playing. They they were they had some movie playing, and I knew the people in the movie, so I went to go watch the movie instead. And in the middle of the movie, I get a text from one of. Uh, actually, I had been getting texts all night from uh, one of the the people who I was with. He's like, "Hey, you coming down here? You should come down here. People are getting really drunk." And then I finally get one text, and he's like. X person just got into a car with a stranger. You should probably come down here. And I was like, oh, shit. So I had to leave and I had to drive around Boston finding this one person. Meanwhile, I have two other people that are just like outrageously drunk, one dehydrated, throwing their guts, throwing up their guts out at the arena net party with the Nationals Buttons Media Pass on. Uh. <laughs> you know. And so. It's kind of like, obviously, nobody get fired, but uh, it was like, okay, we got to put some rules in place <laughs> for, for packs. Like, dudes, like, you can't be getting outrageously drunk. I, <laughs> like, you I know, feel so. like that goes without saying when you're representing a company, but. Yeah, I know. But, you know, it's, it's one of those things, too, where one, given that we're sort of a, a hobbyist organization in some ways, it, it you know people may forget that we're actually a company and two that you think you're out at a party. You forget you're representing that you still, you know, you forget that the badge is there. You think, Oh, Hey, this is a party. Like, you know, PAX was the work part, but now we've left the arena. Now we're just hanging out in Boston with people, you know, who's a, who's a games reporter. Who's a developer. Who's a podcaster. We're just people hanging out, having fun. And you forget that that's still a professional venue. Despite the fact that like the alcohol is flowing and, you know, there's music and, and nobody's necessarily talking shop. I mean, that's those types of things are the best way to foster contacts as far as you're actually getting to know people on a personal basis. But and that's the thing is at the end of the day, like you need to remember that that's you're there for you're not there to have fun, which it's you know, it's 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 a it's not necessarily an intuitive lesson for people to pick up. But you are not there to have fun. I mean, you don't have to yeah. not drink. Just don't get sloshed. And yeah. Puke and well, you can get still have fun. <laughs> you can still have fun, but pro- that's not the primary reason you're there. Like you, every decision you're making, you know, is this going to be fun? But it's also, is this going to further why I'm here? Yeah, you can't make contacts when you're passed out in a corner. Mm-mm. So, <laughs> <laughs> believe me, I've tried. It's not easy. <laughs> yeah, you, you can't necessarily do that. So hard pass, Nick. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, but with that, I think we're going to go ahead and close up here. You guys got anything else to say? You're good to go. I'm good. I just want to bring up one more thing um, that I thought was a really good quote. Uh, there was a Blizzard CM who um, early on in the game, I think back in 2006, uh, he got into it with uh, the forum posters because they were they were pretty unhappy with the state of Shaman at the time. And they were going at him pretty hard. And then finally they broke him. And he just had this long, long rant where they kept attacking him and he kept responding. And then it ultimately ended with him quitting the company uh, a few days after this, but he had one post that I thought really kind of summed up community interaction uh, from a developer standpoint. He said, can't help it. Uh, Posting impassionately. They say you don't care. Posting nothing. They say you ignore posting with passion. You incite trolls posting fluff. You say nonsense post with what facts you have. They whittle down with rationale. There is no win. There is only slow degradation. Take note. It is the first and only time you'll see someone in my position Make that position. You can't. You can be me when I'm gone. And I'll, as I said, he, he wound up leaving the company, so he was gone shortly thereafter. Um, but yeah, I think there's a, there's a part of this too where 
you know, you kind of stick your face out. It's like sticking your face out of a car window that, mm-hmm. yeah, it's kind of fun and you get the wind, but you also get bugs hitting you and other stuff. And you can only do that for so long before you got to pull your, your head back in. And I don't blame any of these developers who, you know, they, they take breaks and they, you know, step away from their jobs and whatnot because they're tired of dealing with the community because there are, there are some terrible people out there in the community. There's some well-meaning people who are unintentionally terrible out in the community. There are some nice people out there. They're the people that keep everybody going. And it's, 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 it's a bit like putting your, your face on like a, a, like a grinder. Like you can only, you know, at some point you're, you're just going to get worn down and it happened with this guy. And I think he, he summed it up very well. So it's, it's, you know, like there's, there are times when the community is going to be right to attack. There's going to be times when the community is attacking needlessly. Um, But either way, you know, as a developer, you got to go out there with your game face and it's not, you know, it's not all pleasantries and and it's, uh, I don't, I don't envy them in the least. Yeah, I can give you that. (laughs) So well said, Nick. All right, well, we're going to go ahead and wrap up here. Thank you guys for listening. If you are not listening on a uh, podcatcher of sorts, we are available on most podcast platforms uh, on iOS and Android. Just search for watch, uh, search for MASHCAST in uh, your favorite podcast platform of choice. And if you don't see it there, you can go right to the MASHCAST buttons dot, uh, website and uh, grab the RSS feed. Like I said earlier, you can follow us on twitter.com slash MTB site, facebook.com slash mash those buttons, and youtube.com slash mash those buttons. Uh, Nick, you want to give your Twitter information? I am at WookieBH on Twitter. And you can also find me on uh, Wow Talk and the Torn and the Goblin here on Mash Those Buttons. And you can find and me on Twitter, Instagram, and Twitch at S'mores Pop-Tart. That's with A Z at the end of S'mores. All right, and you can find me on uh, Twitter at Church of Job, but I also do streaming uh, on uh, the Mash Those Buttons Twitch channel, which is twitch.tv slash mash those buttons. You can also find us on our Discord server, which is discord.me slash mash those buttons. We'd love to have you guys there to discuss, you know, further discussion of what we're talking about here. Disagree or agree, feel free to hop in and we can talk about it. And uh, I won't call you an idiot or a misogynist. So, you know, feel free to hop in there. Um, If you uh, enjoy the show, the best way to help is to, uh, you know, rate our show on your podcast platform of choice and review it as well as share the show with others. We really appreciate that. And if you want to check out our other shows, go to matchbuttons.com slash shows and see what else we have. We have two World of Warcraft podcasts, both with Nick here. A uh, wild talk is our news and uh, events kind of podcast. And Torn the Goblin is our uh, story and lore podcast. We have Watchpoint Radio. I'm on that. That is, uh, you know, uh, a Overwatch podcast that is focused primarily on the community. And we also have Double Tap for Planet Games and Sit Rep Radio for uh, the Division and the upcoming Division 2. So, uh, yeah, definitely check those out. And uh, thanks for listening once again. We'll catch you guys next time. Thank you for choosing a Mash Those Buttons podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you'd like to subscribe to one of our shows, 
You can find us on multiple podcast platforms across iOS and Android. Just search for the show on a podcatcher like Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts and hit subscribe. If you can't find us on your favorite podcast platform of choice, just go right to the MashosButtons.com website, grab the RSS feed, and put it into your podcatcher of choice. If you want to check out some other podcasts you may enjoy, you should check out MashosButtons.com slash shows. For World of Warcraft fans, we have two podcasts, WoW Talk, which is our news and community podcast, and The Torn and the Goblin, which is our lore and story podcast. If you enjoy Overwatch, make sure to check out Watchpoint Radio to keep up with the latest on Overwatch and its community. If you enjoy fighting games, make sure you check out Double Tap for the latest in the FGC. If you're a fan of The Division or looking forward to The Division 2, make sure you check out Sit Rep Radio. If you want to keep up with the latest that mash those buttons, you can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash mtbsite, facebook.com slash mash those buttons, and youtube.com slash mash those buttons. We'd also like to have you join our Discord community. So just go to discord.me slash mash those buttons and join us for a chat. Once again, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time.